This week's episode is made possible by Afterlater Audio's Heritage Line, Patchwork Seattle, and listeners like you. If you'd like to help keep these episodes coming each week, please visit patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. I want to take a second to tell you about Eschatonic Modular. Are you building your own DIY case? Uh, for shows or for traveling and need some power, well then look no further than Eschatonic Modular. I have it in my Needham Woodworks case, and it's quiet and clean. So please visit eschatonicmodular.com to learn more. I also want to tell you about Eurodesk Z, which is a company that creates products that solve real issues and help you stay focused on the creative process. I personally use the Hex 01 Professional Eurorack Cable Hanger, um, created with advanced modular synth users in mind. It is, before I had it, it was just, there was spaghetti wires everywhere. It was like an explosion of wires, and it was never, um, it was just, it was always chaotic when I was trying to patch and clean up and, and everything, but this is just makes everything so much easier and cleaner, and it looks cool. It sits right on top of a mic stand. It's a real thing of beauty. They also have a new product called Desk Stars with a Z, so you are you know I'm already on board. You pluralize things with a Z, and I'm in. Um, this is a height-adjustable equipment stand designed to support most desktop music devices, small to mid-size Eurorack cases, groove boxes, drum machines, you name it. Um, so yeah, please go visit Eurodesk-Z.com to learn more about these amazing products. And as always, thank you, Lisa Belladonna, for this amazing track. Hello and welcome to episode 101 Modular Modcast. This week's guest is Kyle Dixon from Austin, Texas. You may know him from the band Survive. You may know him from being one of the two composers on the soundtrack for a show called Stranger Things. Um, have you ever heard of that one? Um, yeah, we have a really great discussion today. But before we get into that, spring has sprung. And what tipped me off to that was going out to my front porch today and finding a lovely bouquet of flowers that uh, Lenny and Clarissa from After Later Audio had sent over. Um, it was a very, very nice, sweet gesture. They're just the kindest people, and uh, they're doing some really cool things. I wish I could tell you what was coming out soon, but just uh, just know that there's some really, really cool modules coming out from After Later Audio very soon. Um, and I've also seen a lot of people posting online about wanting to get into Eurorack and start, you know, building their own system and wondering, uh, you know, what should I get? And I think After Later Audio's Heritage Line is an excellent place to start. So if you or anyone else you know are trying to get into Modular, uh, point them towards the Heritage Line because it's, it's uh, you know, real estate-wise, they're pretty small, 6 HP, um, and they are pretty... They're, they're essential. You need an oscillator filter and an envelope. Um, and they're also just really fun. I, I use them in almost every patch. So they're not just for beginners, but they're, they're excellent for beginners because of the price point, size, and uh, ease of use. So yeah, check them out after later audio. And thank you, Lenny and Clarissa, for the flowers. So how's your quarantine time going? Are you, uh, are you being creative? Are you taking it easy? Are you staying sane, safe, and healthy? I hope so. Are you playing the uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake that was just released? 
because um, I definitely am, and I'm very much enjoying that. And Hannah and I have also been playing a lot of Mario Party on the Switch. That's it. No more, no more video game talk. Um, just wanted to throw that out there. I have some cool kid inductions for Patreon supporters. Uh, recently, we had Bart Smits. You are officially a Patreon pod mod cool kid. Two beautiful men, Jerry Mayer and my mom. <laughs> I didn't even know my mom knew I had a podcast, but uh, the other day, my mom is now signed up on Patreon at $1 a month. So thank you, Kelly, very much for that. And now I have some Patreon shoutouts to make good on. I've, I've been trying to let them pile up. So um, let's see here. We have Kyle Kaywood, Nick Martin, John Mahoney, HR Terror, Eric Ribeiro, Ribeiro. I hope I'm saying that right. I don't think I'm saying that right. Brandon Logic and Thomas Parker. Thank you all so much for uh, coming on board patreon um and recently I've, I've had a lot of people come on recently so that, that means a lot thank you so much i just want to take a moment to tell you that what you're listening to right now is a patch that i made with the zorb filter from all right devices i got it uh self-oscillating and there's a mode where one of the cv inputs for the cutoff there are two one of them can actually track one volt per octave so i sent this sequence to it i'm using a couple of the different outputs because it's a multi-mode filter going into different uh vcas and i'm using the earthquaker devices afterneath and the recovery devices dirty murals for um, reverb and delay stuff and then that super tremolo-y thing is the div kid and instro oct being sent into the uh the CV in on the resonance. But that's all I'll tell you about that. We're going to um, actually do a fully fleshed out demo at the end of the show. So stick around at the end of the show and uh, I'm going to do a demo of the Zorb and also uh, the Generate 3 from Your Analog. So we're going to get into this chat with Kyle in a moment, but I just want to take a few seconds here to just, um, I don't know, this, this COVID-19 pandemic has affected us all in so many different ways, um, especially small businesses and even more specifically, small businesses with storefronts. Um, our beloved shop, Patchworks, has had to close down their storefront, um, but they are still fulfilling online orders at patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Um, they didn't ask me to do this, but I just wanted to take a moment to express how important Patchworks is to me and to our Seattle community. It really would not be what it is without Patchworks. They are the, the hub around which um, everything here in Seattle is really coalesced. I've met so many cool people just through the different events that they've done. I'm really close with the people who run the shop and who work there. Um, so yeah, I'm just... I'm just putting it out there. If you're looking to buy a synth modular or otherwise, if you have some extra money lying around to devote to uh, your gear acquisition syndrome, please head over to Patchworks. Um, I would love to be able to walk into Patchworks once this is all over. But um, yeah, it's just who knows what's going to happen because who knows how long they're going to have to stay closed. Uh, again, they didn't they didn't ask me to do this or anything, and I hope they don't mind, but I just really wanted to to put it out there if you want to help keep our uh, Seattle scenes heartbeat <laughs> pumping please uh, please go support patchworks and now a word from Abe from AI synthesis hi it's Abe from AI synthesis this is technically an ad for a new module that is releasing today which I'll talk about at the end of this message 
to get you to listen, I guess. I really, I actually don't really want to talk about the module. Um, I just want to acknowledge how crazy these times are right now that we're living in. And I want to encourage you to try to stay connected to people. I'm a pretty shut in type guy, and I know I certainly need connection. I've been doing uh, virtual happy hours with friends. That's been great. And uh, calling family, which I don't do enough. Um, and that's been really great. I've been meditating more. Mindfulness is, is really important to me personally, and I find it really helps me center. I've definitely been oscillating between everything's fine. We'll get through this and oh my God, is this even real? So on that note, I have some suggestions. Libraries have free stuff they can download and read. Against the Stream by Noah Levine is a really cool book. Um, at least it was for me. I come from a punk rock background. So um, reading his uh, introduction to mindfulness was really cool. When Things Fall Apart is uh, an amazing book that I read over and over and over again. I'm going to mess up her name. It's Pima Shadron. It's got umlauts on the O's. That's amazing. You will cry, but it's okay. Uh, what else? Gratitude. I want to thank all the people that have been showing pictures of their builds and the music that they make with them, like on social stuff or even just emailing me directly. That is honestly the most fulfilling thing that I get from running a synth business. It's the thing that keeps me going. So that's awesome to see. I want to thank you guys for doing that. A lot of people have gotten started with DIY or rediscovered DIY during this time when they have time uh, on their hands. And um, I want to thank all of those people for letting me be a part of your journey. It's a really cool thing for me to be involved in. Um, oh, the module. Uh, it's available at AISynthesis.com. Uh, you can buy it built and tested or as a kit or as a PCB panel or just as PCB. It's the AI07 Quad VCA voltage-controlled mixer. Um, Four-channel, really high-quality VCA. Can blend between logarithmic and linear response. You know, it does stuff. It's a really advanced DIY project. Don't do it if you're a beginner. It's got SMD stuff. There will be a through-hole version of a quad VCA soon. Anyway, capitalism. Oh, reach out to people. We have a yard, which I'm super grateful for. I love gardening. And so we've been going to the apartment buildings in the neighborhood and leaving notes with our numbers so people can text us and be like, I just want to be in your backyard for like a couple hours or whatever. And, you know, we won't go out there. It's just for them. But yeah, be, you know, recognize that we're all going through like a really crazy time and it's really hard for everyone you know be well to one another that's it on with the show thank you abe that was lovely um i agree with abe mindfulness get lost in a book all that stuff um and i agree with him on uh that author pema shodron um the book that I read that I liked by her was called Go to the Places That Scare You. So if you're having a, a hard time and you're feeling a little freaked out, that might be a good one. Um, and also go check out AISynthesis.com. Um, but again, thank you, Abe. Uh, I hope you don't mind that I, uh, I put some music behind your ad. I thought it, I thought it could use a nice little uh, optimistic plinky patch below it. Anyways, let's get into our chat with Kyle Dixon.
Well, well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me today. Um, let's get the bunker talk out of the way. How are you faring during all this bunker shit? talk? <laughs> uh, I'm okay. You know, it's uh, comes in waves. Of yeah, I mean, it's all, honestly pretty similar to what my life is normally. Same here, but uh, <laughs> everyone else is, you know, they're with me kind of now, which is yeah. interesting. People seem to be more responsive to messages and things like that, so <laughs> so that's kind of nice. Um, but I mean, you know, some days are just like, yeah, what's the point? <laughs> Uh, and then other days you're like okay i got all these ideas and nothing's distracting me from doing it and so Mm -hmm. yeah i've i've found myself kind of having bursts of motivation to do anything um and they've been few and far between and but i've been okay with that at the beginning of it i was kind of thinking to myself like I'm going to really, you know, hunker down and maybe I'll start working on that album that I've been thinking about in my head forever. And, yeah. and, and then after a while, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to force anything. And uh, right. with my wife here, we got a Nintendo Switch. So we've been playing a lot of Mario Party and shit. So yeah. it's just kind of like, um, yeah, it's just kind of weird. Are you, are you bunkered up with other people? No, I'm, I'm alone. Uh, so. Oh, shit. <laughs> but again, it's, it's, uh, I have my cat. Yeah. She, she's loud. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like I would be handling it differently alone. I think I probably would be working on stuff more. Um, but yeah, when, when you get a brand new video game console in the house, it's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty hard. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's So are you in Austin? Sorry, go ahead. No, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I am in Austin. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, I've been here for a while. It's 2000. Did you grow up there? or No, or I, I grew up in Dallas. Uh, okay yeah, yeah cool. so i'm from dallas moved i went to school south of austin in a little town called san marcos um mm-hmm. and then moved to austin in 2007 and i've been here since okay but cool um yeah it seems like austin like washington state is kind of similar in that to texas i think in that it has like the one cool city and then everything else is pretty like no, I mean, I think there's more than one cool city in Texas, but there's like the hip city that everybody kind of thinks of as like the Northwest, but everything else is kind of rural and, and weirdly Trumpy and stuff like that. So, <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's like the place people, like the creatives go maybe. Yeah. That's definitely, it's weird because it's also the capital. So there's like, yeah. there's a lot of politics, uh, but it's a, you know, pretty liberal city definitely compared to the other major cities in texas and even the yeah. rural ones i guess yeah yeah i went out there two years ago and actually talked with chad allen he was ah. like the fourth guest on the show i think nice um yeah and i ended up walking across town up to switched on and uh yeah it was i just fell in love with the place it was the it was the first week of um south by so it wasn't the music week yet okay so it was everything was just kind of getting started so i kind of wish i would have went you know when it wasn't that you know so i could have like got to see it in its true form but it still wasn't too crazy but i just fell in love with it i've been really wanting to go back um yeah yeah, it's just like a really cool vibe there yeah it's nice it's slow but there's there's still stuff to do so Mm -hmm. that's nice i mean it's it's kind of catching up to other desirable cities across the country as far as rent and yeah availability of housing and that kind of thing and just you know 
development. It's starting to look like everywhere, but that's happening globally. Maybe not yeah. so much right now, but <laughs> yeah. in the past few years at least. So. Yeah. How, I mean, I, I think what's, what's crazy is what made this like whole COVID-19 thing really real for me was when they announced South by was canceled. That's when I was like, I think that was the moment that I was like, okay, this is, this isn't swine flu. This isn't SARS. This is, this is the real deal. Like, so what's the vibe like after that down there? That's gotta be weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that was definitely a beacon to a lot of people about, even if this is, you know, didn't turn out to be a health disaster just the fact that yeah i think i think the cancellation really just sent a, a message to a lot of people about this potential severity of of the pandemic you know i don't mm-hmm. think i don't think anybody really expected south by southwest to be canceled um until it was i mean we saw that petition. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that petition that was going around. No. Someone, someone here in in Austin, set a petition and said it's you know irresponsible for Southwest Southwest to continue with this afoot right now, and it got like thirteen thousand signatures in the first day, and then just kept doubling. So it had like really. I, I don't even know how many at the end, but it was over. 50,000 maybe I don't even it was it it snowballed and got a lot of a lot of signatures and I I don't think that was I think that had a part to do with why it was canceled but I don't think it was like directly put some pressure on the authorities at least probably yeah Yeah. I mean I I think back it it would have been insane if that would have happened because I mean I don't know if you saw the the article about like tracking cell phone data. Cause you know, there was those kids down in Florida and we're doing their yeah, yeah. spring break thing. And then they just mm-hmm. go back to wherever they came from and you can see like how connected everything is. And that's just like spring break on one beach in in yeah. somewhere in Florida and South by is an international event. It would have been. And it's what, two weeks across a whole city pretty much yeah i mean yeah i i don't know how many people come to town but it's noticeable that the city i I don't want to say that it doubles because i don't know that i've heard that but i've heard that it it certainly feels over doubles yeah it certainly feels that way and people are on spring break you know like even if they're here for work and they're doing their whatever they are doing during the day they're always going to do parties and stuff at night so Mm -hmm. it's just a different version of spring break like (laughs) and people are not on their best behavior during during that time you know so the um and like the you know spitting and talking loudly and Uh you know spreading it is definitely uh a feature of, and of the how many people to one bathroom and yeah, yeah just, like ugh. it could have it's been funny, really like, bad. Yeah, been. well, and you know when it first happened, I, I was I, I imagined because you know these I, when that happened, I was still planning on going to San Francisco. Like we were kind of like we were still in that kind of naive moment of like oh this is kind of a media thing or whatever. Yeah, and, um, I imagine initially that must have really aggravated a lot of 
business owners because I know a lot of people make their whole year's yep. worth of you know money off of that festival. Yeah, so. a ton of people who own businesses and also just a lot of friends of mine who who work during that time, you know, make mm-hmm. a good chunk of their money that two weeks, you know, and, you know, everybody wants to, to stay safe, but they also need to make money. So yeah, it was a conflict. I, everybody was, I, I talked to a few people who were all kind of like, yeah, I signed the petition. Yeah. <laughs> a, oh, year, really? a year without <laughs> South by wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, but I, and yeah, I I have heard that the locals are kind of like, that's when you want to leave town because it gets pretty crazy there. It just depends. I mean, you can have fun. You can also end up in situations that are not fun. Yeah. You just have to kind of choose what you're really up for during that. And Mm -hmm. as you get older, I think that changes a little bit too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right now, like just thinking about going to like, a, a, like a, a multi-day concert where I'd have to walk around like all day for three days in a row and listen to live music all day. Like, I think I'm at just at the age now, I'm 36, where I'm like, that doesn't sound like too much fun anymore. I'd rather yeah. just sit by a campfire with a couple friends or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I've never been a huge fan of festivals. Like, I've I've had a lot of fun at festivals and been to a lot mm-hmm. of them, but. It's definitely not my preferred way to listen to music. But, right. But well, can definitely speaking be fun. Of, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, listening to music, let's transition out of our, our uh, COVID-19 talk because I think people uh, are probably tired of it, but we'll you see. can't not talk about it. It's just, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, speaking of music, I'm kind of curious, like, how old were you, how old were you and what was the you know was there a song or a particular band or style of music that kind of grabbed you that made you realize like music was the thing that's that's mm. what I'm going to attach my budding identity to and and kind of follow um and 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 when did you start playing hmm. That's a interesting one um I think the Hmm. This is a hard one. <laughs> uh, we could parse it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to break it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think probably for a lot of fucking synth nerds, it's going to be a similar answer, and they're going to say like Aphex Twin and Autechre and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's kind of like that's kind of true. It's not yeah. kind of true. So it's, that was the, very, was music was music just like background stuff until you found that kind of stuff. No, I still listen to a lot of a lot of music like whatever was in skate videos and stuff. So I got it. Yeah, you know, introduced to a lot of like underground hip hop and stuff like that. You know, so I grew up on rap and whatever kind of electronic stuff was on the radio, and then like it was the '90s, so like grunge and just like guitars getting more distorted was a feature you know so uh-huh. i remember going back and listening to like black sabbath or something and people always being like yeah they're so metal or whatever and then the first time i heard them i was like this is the weakest shit i've ever heard I <laughs> because i was used to just hearing like insane like i don't even know who but 
Yeah, I mean, I Weezer, Weezer had already, when I was a kid. Or like Weezer <laughs> even had been out, yeah. and their guitar tones are, are like way more like, they just sound bigger, you know? So I think uh-huh. that was, but I love Black Sabbath. Don't get, like, this was just my initial, you know, totally, response. Totally, yeah. I mean, like the first time I heard Blue Monday was like the Orgy cover. Same here. Which is like <laughs> insane to think about, but that is, that's just the truth. <laughs> I remember the Dude, first I saw time that I heard live. The... <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, I was man. at a festival though. I didn't yeah. choose to go see Orgy. Um, yeah. there, it was really funny because they were on this, like, it was right when like Blue Monday was on MTV. So they were just yeah. kind of breaking. So they weren't that big. So they're on the second stage, like early in the day. <laughs> So it's like this bright sunny day in this like little parking lot in this <laughs> tiny stage and a couple hundred people and this big huge tall guy like wrapped in white leather like whipping in the mic and stuff it just even as a kid i was kind of like this doesn't seem right. this is weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny man i would pay 30 dollars to see an orgy concert right now from that so era that, i think yeah i think that would be that would be my my cap as well, thirty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, and as far as like the music choosing or whatever, like I didn't really choose to do that. Well, I guess so. I was working in tech and doing interaction design for like six years or so, and that's when I started like having an income that allowed me to actually buy things like modules, you know, cause they're not cheap. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so once I got a, a decent job doing that, I was able to actually buy synths and stuff. So still, or I guess, I don't know what the years would line up. I probably started doing that in like 2010, 11. Okay. Something like that. So wait, was that when you got into being playing music or were you no, playing guitar or no, anything no, no. before that? Or? Um I guess in high school we me and a few friends recorded some stuff like using like Acid Pro, you know, just mm-hmm. like taking yeah. samples and pitching them and making stuff. But I didn't have I I actually my first the first program I ever got to make music like DAW was, was Ableton 1. Oh, wow. I remember whenever I was looking into... I was just going to get Acid Pro because that's what I was used to using. And then I did a little bit of research. And Ableton was coming out in like six months or something. Or like a few months. So I decided to wait for that because it looked more intuitive. And so that's what I started recording on. And I think I got up to... Ableton 5 or 5 before I switched um, to Logic Pro. And so I've been using that okay. since then. Dude, I miss Logic. I had lot. That's what I was using for years. And then um, I started writing music with a buddy and we were going to start doing like scoring stuff. And he had Cubase and I needed to buy a new computer and I mm-hmm. couldn't afford a new MacBook because that whole thing, you know, <laughs> it was like it'd be like quadruple the price of a new PC. So he talked me into Cubase and that's what I currently use. And I still, you know, Two and a half years later, like desperately mix. Logic. Yeah, I just, really. I loved. I loved it. Yeah, I've never used. Or I think I had like a light version of Cubase around around the time I was, you know, perusing DAWs, mm-hmm. but I've never really used it. 
seems like yeah. it has some some features that might be beneficial in the scoring yeah. world, but yeah, yeah, I think you can like bring Nvidia, but you can do that with Logic too. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's just I got so used used to it and all the hot keys and right it felt like right when i was like hitting my stride of being efficient and and everything and really knowing it is when my computer crapped out and i needed to switch <laughs> and um i just kind of like and then that was right when i started the podcast so i haven't really been doing a whole lot of music production so I'm mostly just recording conversations and kind of doing it every week so i'm not spending a whole lot of time within one uh, environment of like editing one particular thing that often. So I just, I still haven't really taken the time to fully use it. So, yeah. and I think I also just kind of like the shitty part of my personality is kind of like, yeah, fucking key base. I'm not logic. <laughs> 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 Need to get over that. Um, oh, that's funny. But anyways, I totally derailed that. Um, so you, you picked up logic after Ableton. Yeah. And I don't know when that would have been like, whatever whatever the year of logic five um uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i mean oh, 2012 ish probably no 11? no it was before that okay i want to i want to say 2007 probably oh okay okay i'm the way i name my files on my computer is i just do the the year and the month and the date and i'm trying uh-huh. to think back to like the earliest year that i can like, remember on there uh-huh. and i think it <laughs> i think it would have been definitely 2007 or 2008 okay. i don't know about 2006 I th- but i think we're the same age so this is like mid-20s for you then yeah yeah i'm 36 early mid yeah okay cool i think um yeah 30 <laughs> 35, 36, <laughs> one of those two. It doesn't yeah, matter. <laughs> I forget. I forget too. I actually had to do the math. Like I just turned 36 and the day before my, my birthday, I got like bummed out because <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm about to be 37. And then like I did the math. I was like, oh no, fuck. I'm turning 36. And I, I think like, that kind of happened to me too. I was like, man, I'm going to be so old. And then I did the math. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember that. Uh, I can't tell that story too loud because my, my wife's two years older than me and she like, you know, when she was turning 37, she kind of got bummed out. And I was just like, I was kind of like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a number. It doesn't mean anything. And that's how I've always felt. But yeah. it was easy for me to feel that way on the lower side of 35. Yeah. But once it was me, I was kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a funny okay, one. Okay. So you get, you get Logic. And is that when you start messing with um, hardware stuff then? Um, no, I had, I had a few cents before then. Um, yeah, I had like, I guess it's not in here anymore. Um, I got like a Korg, um, K1, I think is there a Univox, like the first Korg that they made. And it's just like, a, not a preset synth, but a pretty limited analog synth, uh, had that and a monopoly and. That was pretty much what I started with. Um, But, you know, I had been playing kind of in a band uh, with another um, friend of mine who's in Survive, Adam Jones. Uh, Mm -hmm. He he runs a label called Holodeck Records Mm -hmm. down here. Um, But we, we had kind of like a... Uh, I don't know, kind of like post-rock, sort of like freak folky project. Okay. 
So just lots of effects, slow guitar and, you know, acoustic instruments. And then we try to mix in whatever, like, tricks from our uh, IDM past we could, you know, and that, <laughs> for better or worse, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I, I started learning how to play banjo at that point for some reason, uh, which is like a weird <laughs> shift for me. Like, yeah. but it was helpful in like kind of learning music in a different way, mm-hmm. not super applicable to a lot of the kind of music that I ended up making, but it definitely helped me with music in in certain ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was running all this electric or this acoustic stuff through effects and whatever, trying to get weird sounds and realized what like i just need to be buying synthesizers at this point (laughs) like (laughs) i'm basically just like running through shit through filters and it's not really the instrument that it was (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that's when i started getting more into collecting synths and stuff so and then it never really stopped okay so i was gonna ask if it's i mean it seems like um you know, from the stuff that I've heard that you you've made with Survive and the the Stranger Things stuff, like you're definitely drawn to kind of that that old school analog sound. It, was that was that always something that you gravitated towards? It sounds like the first couple synths you had were along those lines. Was that did you purposely get those because you yeah. liked that sound, or is it just happened to be what you got? Yeah, it's because uh, it was because I wanted analog synths at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know worked on a computer use a computer enough i was tired of the computer i wanted knobs mm-hmm. basically really yeah. is what it came down to is i wanted something that i could physically touch and not have to go through and cuz up until that point really like i would kind of play stuff in and then chop it up a whole bunch and do a lot of writing that way and i wanted to get to a more hands-on kind of you know, play things live sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the initial concept for survive is to just let's, let's create a band, Mm -hmm. a synthesizer band. Like that was really, (laughs) that was about as far as it went. And we kind of had a sound that we were going towards, but around the time that we started, most of the electronic stuff we were seeing was very heavily reliant on just like a laptop with backing tracks. And then maybe, Maybe a MIDI controller mm. or something. But we wanted to get on stage and have amps and play synthesizers loud out of amps. That was kind of the goal okay. there. Um, and w- around that time, it was kind of like blogs were were digging up a bunch of old, obscure, you know, psych music and and kraut stuff and just all kinds of weird electronic stuff that i hadn't heard until that point you know so we were all kind of revisiting the earlier electronic and experimental stuff at that point so we kind of drew from that more than what was like going on at the time Mm -hmm. uh but it it's never been like a direct um like 
We'll use anything, you know. It doesn't have to be analog. Yeah. We have, we've always right. had digital synths. We've always used a computer. We've always used plugins on the computer, you know. So it's <laughs> never like directly trying to avoid anything that sounds new or anything like that. But definitely, I guess it kind of falls into a slight throwback kind of thing. But we try to keep definitely, stuff. Yeah, try to keep stuff in there that doesn't just fully revert to like something that could have happened in the late seventies or early eighties, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I mean, there's a bunch of different schools on this, but I think, I think I'm totally with you on that approach as far as like, yeah, you like a a particular sound, but like, you know, making arbitrary rules, you know, just so you can say you did it. Is, yeah. I would I would rather be able to make the sound that I wanted to make yeah. the way you know like most I, efficiently and stuff. I do. I mean, we definitely have rules within the band, and I think it's good to have rules within the band because yeah, like there's tons of music that is recorded on the computer on all mm-hmm. of our computers that we like and we all like, but yeah, we can agree that it doesn't make sense for the project. So. Right. Yeah. I guess I mean more like the the rule of it everything has to be oh, analog. Right. Yep. That seems like it's just a shoot you in the foot thing and and kind of like a like I don't know. I feel like that's the, you know, type of person that's is constantly swilling their glass and smelling it, and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um so yeah, I I love this concept of a of a synth band um and I I don't, I want to talk about that and and I just kind of the, one of the first questions I was thinking of when I was preparing for this was like, just describe to me what synth band practice is like. Like, because I've been in many bands and you you get together in the shed and and you know yeah. you're drinking Rainier and you're yeah. talking shit and you're jamming and stuff like. It's the same, except <laughs> yeah. more troubleshooting. You know, like yeah. figuring out what's wrong with the NPC or trying to like <laughs> figure out why the triggers are inverted on. On so and so synth, and or like, oh shit, it's not in tune again, and you hit it, or yeah, and then hope that it works, <laughs> and then if it doesn't, then you take it to switched on and hope they can fix it quickly. And um, yeah, it's just it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. You know, we just take synths and plug them into the amps instead of uh, guitars and stuff. Right, but, rather but than looking for the we definitely the went in the garage. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. Well, that's yeah. So, and then the other thing I wanted to ask about it in, a, in the band aspect of it is, do you guys like have, do you have dedicated jobs like bassist, synth, you know, bassist, lead, drummer, like per song or overall? Or there are there tendencies where you guys lean for people's jobs per track, or how does that work? So, wise. Not really, but sometimes it kind of falls into. Um, it, sometimes it happens naturally because sometimes mm-hmm. we'll make stuff together. Sometimes we'll write a demo and then bring it to the group. And it's really just like, what else does the song need? And then everybody kind of gives it a shot mm-hmm. un- unless they don't need to, unless the first try is like, everybody's like, yep, that was good. Um, <laughs> we do, we do have more defined roles when we actually perform because mm-hmm. of the sense that we bring and just like capabilities some of them have like a latching arpeggiator so they can play the stuff and some of them don't so depending on what the song calls for we'll 
we'll switch roles up kind of based mm -hmm. on technical uh, abilities of the gear. Uh, mm -hmm. But as far as in the writing, it doesn't really, it doesn't really um, happen okay. that way. So you guys each maybe come up with like, like the, like the structure of a song and like basically like a demo version, you kind of record on your own and bring it and then kind of like, if, if you say you, you created a song, is there ever a case where you maybe create a track where most of it is complete and then you kind of divvy up the jobs uh, for, the, for like re-recording stuff live? Like, hey, try this on this synth? Or? Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. Okay. I mean, there's also times when two or three of us or, or all of us will be in the same room and write a, write a song. Okay. That, you know, that, that was going to be my next question. It can happen okay. that way. It, uh -huh. I don't know. Like maybe like a third of the time, it's kind of like the song is basically done in the first day or two, or even maybe in the first day and then cleaned up and add the little extra stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a bit of everything really. Yeah. I really like the concept and it, like, you know, doing, doing the research and like listening to you, your guys' stuff, um, just just imagining it being played by a band, I hear it differently. Yeah. And I think I enjoy it more that way for some reason. Um, and I, I, that might be a little bit of me swilling that glass around and smelling <laughs> every five minutes. But, sure. you know, that, that, that it does, you know, like there is, there is a cool aspect to that. And I really admire that. Um, now, yeah, I just, I picture like the band practice rather than like us, like when we, you know, we were in a band's like, why, why, why is my amp humming when I plug it in here and not over here? Like, just like, I imagine the, is the clock always the, the, the biggest issue? Like, why the fuck can't we get the clock synced to each other? <laughs> um, no, the, the, we've gotten that pretty, pretty well figured out. Um, mm -hmm. We do get a lot of like ground hum because all yeah. of the, like we need to be on the same breaker. Mm -hmm. I think that's how. Yeah, you be on the same breaker. Yeah, that's how you get ground uh, loops. Mm -hmm. um, so that because all the triggers are connecting to everybody, then that that's mm -hmm. a common problem that we have live. Uh, and sometimes just like we're switching it up the way we're doing the live sets now. We're not going to use the MPC anymore. We're going to be using an Octatrack so we can get oh, cool. bigger bigger samples in there and higher quality mm -hmm. samples but that'll be on adam because i don't know how to use an octa track so i'm kind of <laughs> i'm kind of stoked a... <laughs> on this because usually i'm the dude with the mpc and i have to like load all the like mpc is insane because it literally in the middle of our set i have to turn it off and turn it back on to load Jesus. the second half of the set because it can only hold 128 megabytes you know uh-huh and we yeah that's only <laughs> that's only half of our set so there's like a built-in <laughs> interlude there where everybody else starts doing some you know droney stuff and i turn the thing on and turn or turn it off and turn it back on reload everything and just fucking hold my finger hold my breath at when i hit play <laughs> it's everything's loaded properly that's another one uh -huh. that's probably the yeah. worst because it's always like i've gotten sometimes i'm kind of slick about it and i can i'm i have a, like a, a built-in way to kind of like fake it if it goes wrong uh -huh. but some of them it's just like if it doesn't work then uh, it's just not gonna work <laughs> and we've definitely i uh some shows have definitely been ruined uh or 
Oh, really? Uh, maybe not ruined, but... But for you, yeah. Maybe the audience <laughs> didn't know, but you felt... Yeah, I know, I know that feeling. Um, my, my biggest thing, when I, was, when I first got into electronic, before I got into modular, I was performing with my old MacBook, which did not have a battery. Not the, like the, the battery stopped mm. working, and then it actually started like expanding... <laughs> and it like popped up my mouse pad so i had to take the battery completely out of it uh, so if i uh, hear i'm using an apc 40 with ableton and then i got lot you know my my external synths and stuff but if if my power cord on my laptop got kicked out my whole set would just come to a screeching halt it never yeah. happened but it was always like it was <laughs> such a stressful thing to always just yeah. kind of be looking at the power cord like <laughs> tape <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I never taped it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I yeah. think I always wanted that element of danger. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my toes. excuse for being an idiot. <laughs> um, I had another question about the band aspect. Um, so I guess I mean Austin's always been known as a music town, and when I when I went down there a few years ago, and you were with, with Switched On and, and Holodeck, and um, I think what exploded drawing is like a collective thing that's happening down there. It seems like there's a pretty cohesive electronic scene that is also really um, diverse. So like, yeah, there is now. Was, I, there were a few people around whenever we got started, but mm -hmm. it, there was a definitely a, a group of a pretty large group of people who were kind of like, getting into the same kind of approach to making music, not necessarily the same genre, but there's like some overlap in it because of the gear or because of just like going to your friend's shows and being mm -hmm. influenced by what they're doing or just talking about how you're doing things. Um, that definitely started to grow. Um, once I'm not saying that like we had anything to do with it, it, but it was just, something that was happening it seemed like at you that guys time. were right there in that wave like a lot of stuff was happening it wasn't kind of your first couple albums holodeck and switched on kind of and four ms was down there i think for a yep. while mm -hmm. when they were first starting and was maleko down there for a bit too yep. was josh holly down there he was um so was a uh, bubble yeah. sound um he was in town for a bit uh yeah there was a lot of people around um john mike John Mike great. Lars from LZX was right, working yeah. at Switched On. Yeah, there was a ton of people around, and everybody was into this stuff. So it was mm -hmm. it was a cool it was a cool time, you know. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. like I think most of the people we mentioned have you know scattered. A lot of people are in LA or on the West Coast or in New York, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I I, I feel like it's fairly established at this point but also i feel like i'm i'm less involved like i don't go to as many shows as i used to and i don't really mm -hmm. know what's going on now um yeah as much as i as i did but but it seems like it it's it's still happening yeah i know yeah i know there's there's like a, a modular on the spot group down there switched yeah. on still doing their thing um yeah it's just it's it it 
it kind of reminds me of what we have on here in Seattle where like we have we have this store called Patchworks and mm-hmm. our kind of scene started coalescing around that and and expanding with different show nights and different groups and and it's just like yeah it's a, and different makers up here we've got like recovery effects and industrial music electronics mm-hmm. and stuff like that um so yeah just kind of going like just looking at that time it, it seems like what we have going on here um so you guys were doing Survive, and, and you were releasing stuff with Holodeck. Was that kind of the first, no, the first record? Or? The first, so the first record that we got to put out was on a friend of ours named Chris King. He had a, a label called Light Lodge. He's, a, he's in a band called This Will Destroy You. Also mm-hmm. has a solo project called Symbol that came out on Holodeck later. So he was starting up a label... Um, and we did our first EP with him, uh, and then uh, I'm not sure the exact like order of the releases, but we did we did our first LP with a a, a label called Mannequin from Italy, and kind of oh, like cool. leans more towards like the dark wave and like in, industrial or cold wave. I don't know, like the that like synth minimal synth synth pop like Mm -hmm. but they put out a first uh album and then another italian label put out a seven inch for us of some other stuff i don't know which one of those happened first like they were kind of around the same time but it's weird that we went to two italian labels for some i don't know why it just happened (laughs) you know whatever (laughs) and then (laughs) and then holodeck came around so with Adam being in the band, it was always like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But we also wanted to try to find a a larger label to see if they could push it. So we ended up going with Relapse because at that time they were kind of the biggest label who would, was interested. And also there has been an, I don't know if it's odd, but there's always been an affinity for our music from people who like metal like, yeah, I was gonna say that's so crazy. Relapse, like, yeah, that's that that so, surprises me. Like, if you would have told me when I was a kid, because yeah, that was where <laughs> I got my medal. You know? Yeah, so you know, it, it seemed like they've got a huge fan base. Some of them aren't gonna give a fuck about what we're doing, right. but some of yeah. them are gonna be like, you know, this is okay. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I can't. I, this doesn't really happen as much anymore. But there was a while whenever we were kind of first starting and. People that I know from like just being around would come up and they'd say, "You know, I don't really like electronic music, but that was that was cool." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, "Thanks, man. <laughs> that is that it's a compliment, so I'll take that." Yeah, <laughs> I love when but compliments you, leave a bruise. But <laughs> Joel's like, "You didn't have to tell me that, but <laughs> yeah, thanks. I guess." <laughs> I usually think what you do really, really sucks, but this wasn't that bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a guy tell me after a set, he actually asked me, he was like, God, what did he say? It was just like, it wasn't even a backhanded compliment. He was like, it was, I forgot what his wording was, but it was basically like, were, were we supposed to enjoy that? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I was just like, cool, man. <laughs> Thanks for going out of your way to tell me that. <laughs> and yeah. it sucks, too, because it was like a, this specific set I didn't feel really good about. I was really depressed at the time, and I would just oh, phone man. it in, and it just kind of sucked. So, like, that was just like the, uh, yeah, the cherry on top of that. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, so you guys get on with Relapse. And now, was that for the 2016 record? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we had that record done for an entire year and just nowhere to put it out. And mm-hmm. then yeah, we just sat on it for like literally an entire year. Like it wasn't mastered, like, mm-hmm. but it was it was mixed, ready to go. And it was really good time. It ended up being great timing. We were all very frustrated that it was taking so long for the album to come out, but mm-hmm. I think that when it came out right after Stranger Things, that uh, that helped a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It, it ended was, up being so I kind get of the like timeline. A, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The that so, album was done before we even started working on Stranger Things. Like okay. But that wasn't the album that got the attention of uh, the Duffer Brothers, right? No, that would was have been the, the two, first. That was the 2012 the, album? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot your... I, I should have wrote them down. I forgot your album names because they're like a... Like, <laughs> I, like, like you said earlier, like the, like, the abbreviations. I didn't forget of, them. I just never <laughs> learned them. Um, <laughs> it's just a catalog number. Like I, yeah. I can guess some of the numbers and letters, but uh, I don't... I think there's an M in the first one. Yeah, it's, well, I, it's like M and Q, O, 28, 7? Yeah, something some, like that. Somewhere in the mid, upper mid-20s. Um. But yeah, they they um, they took Dirge off of that album, which is the last track, and made like a a sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. So they just cut a bunch of existing movies and made a fake trailer for their show with like as a pitch. Yeah, is that how they, they were pitching it? Okay. Yeah, because they mm-hmm. hadn't they hadn't even cast anyone or yet let that. Let alone shot anything because they don't have a cast. Right. Well, they had Winona Ryder on board, so that was like kind of their one big hook to try to bring yeah. in everyone. <clears throat> they had Netflix and Winona Ryder, which is you know that'll get people listening if you just throw Definitely, that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So how did they? I guess Mike, like. How, how well, like, how well were established were you guys? How did they, like, were you guys touring by then? I have no then, idea. Or, like, and how did they find you? Was it on Bandcamp? Or, like, how did that work? I don't <clears throat> know the answer to that. I I really, <laughs> I, and I've asked them, and they're kind of like, iTunes? And oh, I'm really? like, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. I suspect, well, so we did have one sync in a movie. Um... Oh my god. <laughs> what is this movie called? Holy shit. <sighs> I'll have to come back to that. Um, we, <laughs> it's just totally not there. Um, but I, I suspect that one of the producers, um, Dan Cohen, I feel like somehow he showed them. I don't know why. It's just a feeling. Like He's mm-hmm. always been really nice and likes the music and super supportive and he was working for the production company or he's one of the producers um and i i feel like somehow he showed them and then they were just kind of listening to stuff uh, i don't really know okay so they but, make the so once once they get the show 
they come to you and and do they say, well, we want you guys to score this when they ask you for the the track for the sizzle reel, or are they just say hey, they already want to use this? They already had the track. They had already cut it in. Like they sent that. Oh, okay. to us. Um, they hadn't really thought about the, a composer. Early. They hadn't really thought yeah. about a composer until they got the green light from Netflix, and then they're like, okay, well, you need need a composer to do this, and. They were like, I think we want to do the synth route. Let, oh, why don't we just see if these guys who did the song in our trailer are around? And at that point, that was that would have been 2015. So we hadn't released anything for. Well, I guess we ugh, chronology. But the relapse <laughs> album is done and sitting there when you guys get approached. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is for that's super fortuitous. Yeah. That worked out really nicely. But yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um and so they came and asked if if we were still a band and if we wanted to be involved and you know, you see Netflix and underwriter, sci fi horror and you know, synthesizers and like sure, why not? Yeah. You know like, <laughs> And we had we had been wanting to get into scoring but have no idea how to actually do that cuz it's pretty hard to get in like yeah, I don't it's even really really hard. I can't I talked to some up and coming composers and stuff like and I'm I can't believe that the kind of stuff that they yeah. have to do it, I don't know if I would have the drive to do that honestly. Um, I was trying and I, I stopped because it was just, it was like constantly asked, like I was, I was using some of these like sort, like these like song trader type services where you can mm -hmm. upload stuff and hope that they, they like, you know, you submit it to certain things. And, yeah. um, and then my friend and I found a guy who, who had already like cut this movie. It was, it was this kind of like shitty, like zombie movie. Mm -hmm. And, um, we told them we would score it for free because we wanted to get something under our belts, and we spent, you know, a month and a half on it and scored this thirty-minute movie mm. and made it a lot better in our opinion. <laughs> made a really cool thing, and, and at the end of it, he was like, "Yeah, I can't use this." And he ended up using just canned free, free license stuff. Yeah, and it was really yeah. heartbreaking. <laughs> so I, I started mean, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Whenever we were working on the first season. I didn't tell anyone about it really. Told, I mean, mm -hmm. my girlfriend at the time knew just by proxy. Um, yeah. But I was really not trying to talk about it because I was prepared to be fired at the last minute. You know, you know, yeah, like no, right. we need to go with uh, an orchestral John Williams type mm -hmm. score. Like, I was like, it's not real until it's real. Like, I'm not talking mm -hmm. about it until it comes out. Because I don't want to jinx it, you know. Right. Yeah. Was uh, it nerve wracking? Not, not really. I mean, okay. It was pretty easy to work with the Duffers. Like they're really mm -hmm. nice guys, and we were kind of in the same situation. This is like their first real yeah. big opportunity. There's two of them, me and Michael, and 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 them, and they're like kind of work in a similar way that to me and Michael, like writing on their own and then writing together and then kind of like bouncing stuff back and forth. There's a lot of parallels in that. And just the fact that we were all kind of like new kids, like we, right. we knew how no, to that, do yeah. the stuff that we knew how to do, but we'd never had a budget behind it or 
had to answer to I mean they had done a couple productions before but this was their first thing that was really theirs um mm-hmm. so that was it was pretty interesting just to for us both to navigate this new kind of project together so it yeah. was I and mean so I I wouldn't like think about it too much but I was definitely mm-hmm. you know thinking okay we're going to get done with this it's going to come out and it's just going to have completely different music in it cuz somebody's going to yeah. come in and talk, like that's just probably going to ha- or that that could happen you know yeah uh, it's not yeah. something i dwelled on but you know no i think that's really I mean, didn't johan johansson do the the new blade runner and then they kind of scrapped it at the end and got yeah. Hans zimmer to come in or it was something like that he was he was yeah. working on he was, it or, he was he was doing something. it um i heard a few things about what was going on there um, I would have loved to have heard his score to it. I bet it would be great. Me too. Yeah. Oh my god! I, think I mean, it made I th- the movie better, but I think I think Hans, I like Hans Zimmer, Zimmer and uh, I forget who the collaborator was on that, but it, I think they did a really good job with that score. Yeah, I definitely. Was, yeah, I th- I think it, it turned out great, but I would have I was really stoked to hear about Johan getting the chance to do that. You know. Yeah. And I also heard that Vangelis wanted to do the new one and they were like No. Nah. Really? Which is really? I don't know if that's true. That sounds I don't yeah, know if that's yeah, true. That, but. that would be crazy. Um yeah, I mean, because Johan uh Johan Johansson's uh arrival soundtrack is just I've, it knocked my socks off. Like it's yeah. one of my favorite albums. Yeah, it's cool. It's so good. Um But so okay, um Have you heard uh so, the have you seen? Well, I guess you can't really see his. He made a movie. It's like I heard about it. I haven't. Yeah, the score is really cool. I haven't seen the. I haven't seen the film yet, but it's like Tilda Swinton narrating over just like black and white slow shots of these like I think they're Yugoslavian like brutalist monument monuments. You've probably seen them. They uh-huh. they were kind of rotating the internet for a while, but yeah. it looks really cool, and the score is is pretty pretty great. So I'm looking forward When's it to coming actually. Out? It I think it it's out it some places. Limbo? Yeah, it's okay. like they don't have a US distributor, so I don't know when it'll be available, but hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I'll look forward to that. Um so I'm I'm curious to like was it all shot and they sent you the scenes or were they kind of shooting it and sending it, or were they say, Hey, create something with this vibe and send it? Like were you scoring to to the actual scenes that were shot or for I'll, I'll talk about the first season because that was the most like uh dynamic kind of work environment or like mm-hmm. that's maybe not, not the right word but yeah so we started writing stuff before they even had a cast and this is also before we had been hired just off of briefs and the general rundown of the story and i think we had a couple mm-hmm. of scripts at that point three maybe two or three okay and we did that for the first, I don't know, two months, three months. And then they started filming and they would send us dailies just to kind of get an idea of what the stuff was looking at, which isn't super helpful for actually scoring. But we were just excited to see progress and yeah. like, oh, cool. This is what it's going to look like. All right. Um, we'll just keep going. And then... You can't really tell what's going to work until until you get an actual cut and mm-hmm. put something under it, you know. You could have like something that sounds like a great 
chase scene, you know, and then you put it under a chase scene, and you're like, this is <laughs> the silliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> There's way too many notes. Like, this it feels like a cartoon. <laughs> So we got to uh-huh. dial it back. You know, this just doesn't feel modern. It's like too far throwback, you know? So that was, mm-hmm. that was kind of like the big revelation about the, the first one is like, okay, dial, dial it back. Like really a lot of the things that can be effective can be really simple, you know, not in mm-hmm. every case, not definitely right. not, but just yeah. realizing that you could just make a tick, like a, just of an LFO pinging a filter with a spring reverb on it. And like, that's fine for passing time. You know, yeah. if something's yeah, yeah. sitting around waiting, it's just like, or like, bing, <laughs> whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> it works. That must've been so fun to work on like that. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Still yeah. is. Still. Yeah. Is. Um, so I'm also curious because Netflix they seem to they pump out a lot of shows, and so and you know yeah. they they get huge hits every once in a while. I'm I'm not sure if that was so much the case. I feel like when Stranger Things came out, that was almost kind of like in the midst of like when Netflix was really like killing it, and Stranger yeah. Things was one of the reasons. Yeah, um, was that kind of the vibe going in? Were you like, this is if if our score makes it onto this, is this going to be huge? Like, no. or were you nobody? Yeah. Nobody anticipated anything like that but yeah i mean it once was, it came how could you anticipate what it became but. once it came out it was <laughs> i went the the weekend it came out i was actually in portland and i went camping with some friends so i was mm-hmm. i was it came we went camping on friday got home on sunday so my phone was off or like I didn't have service. I was maybe taking pictures of like the creek and the trees and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I got back to civilization or self-service and had like an unbelievable number of messages on like every platform that you can get messages on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I it freaked me out like I I got really like weirdly emotional. I was just like this is too much like i just need Mm -hmm. this to stop for a little while Um, yeah but it kind of just ramped up and then press started and yeah it was crazy but nobody nobody expected it Um, yeah yeah i bet yeah and i i appreciate you you yeah, fielding these questions because I know you've been asked um, so many, so many questions about this. But I think my listeners would kill me if I didn't talk about it a little. But <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, after that, like you know, three seasons. Like so, I don't know. Like it going back to you, kind of like you, the, the emotion that you felt when you get all those text messages. Like I'm, I'm kind of put trying to put myself in that situation. I'm kind of prone to anxiety. Like I feel like yeah. I feel like, hey, we're gonna do a second season of this super successful thing. I feel like I would have flipped the fuck out about that. Like, how did you handle? Like, did you were you kind of like nervous about? Hey, we did this great thing that's beloved, and now we're gonna try and do it again. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's some <sighs> excitement there, but was there any kind of like, oh fuck? Like, I, well, no, no, not really. I don't think. I don't. I, I'm gonna say no. Um. It was kind of like, holy shit, there's going to be a second season. 
Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, after it got so popular, I was like, okay, they're they're gonna do another season, but it's it. never yeah, yeah. it's never guaranteed. And then until it was actually announced, it, it wasn't certain. But like, we had quit our jobs to do this, you know. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like. As I'm doing that, I'm like, I might be back in eight months. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so just keep me in mind. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't happen. So it was, uh, it, it really didn't feel like a lot of pressure. It just felt like do more. Well, that's awesome. And, it, it, you know, the story evolved. So the music kind of changed a bit, but it still had some of the, some of the stuff that was in the, in the first season. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, there was a little bit more pressure in some ways because, because it was a success and there, there's more eyes on it. And mm-hmm. even so with the third season, but like they wanted us to be out in LA, got us a couple of rooms in the, in the soundstage where they're mixing and like doing, actually, I guess they had already done color, but they're mixing dialogue and stuff like that. And we had a studio in the same building, so we were finishing like the second half of the season there, kind of like down the hall from them. So okay, so so way more like integrated by the second season. Yeah, like we with the rest of the like we knew they were gonna have to go to L.A. and we knew that we were gonna have to be back in Austin for some of that because we weren't. It just didn't make as much sense for us to stay out there for like two months or mm-hmm. whatever um three whatever it ended up being so we we just kind of like made a list like what's the minimum like what do we absolutely need to finish this because we can't take our whole studio out there that'll take too long or both of our studios so we built a little like minimum viable studio out out in la so that was fun and we would just go and like get up early and stay late and just bang that out for like i think we did a few it was it was over the course of two months with like a break where we came back and and worked in our studios in austin and then went out there to, to okay. finish it so it, it seems like with successful shows like that they want to pre- they they want to get it's like as soon as possible. Season two was was that kind of the vibe? Did you feel like more of a time crunch on this second and third seasons? There kind of was, yeah. We because like so between the first and second season, we had just released the survive album, so we were doing a lot of touring. We had a lot mm-hmm. of offers for festivals and stuff because because of the album and the show and all this all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whole period in between there was basically touring with some spilling and over over the second season's writing we still had i don't know half a dozen like festival shows that were going on um so we definitely and and we started like on the first season i mean technically we started at least two months before we would have typically started something just Mm -hmm. because we were trying to learn how to do it first time and we were excited so we definitely had a lot less time on the second season but we kind of have figured out enough stuff that we didn't really need 
some of that extra time to okay, to get it cool. done. So it didn't. I, we definitely had to like get some stuff done pretty quickly. Like we were we were mm-hmm. doing like an episode a, a week or maybe maybe two weeks for the second half. That's, like it was that's pretty quick turnaround time. Yeah, it's crazy. Like yeah, we kind of found a few things that worked, and we were just going back to those and filling them in, try to yeah. re- reuse stuff and rework things. The reason I ask is, you know, listening to that second, the second season soundtrack, I was kind of like, I was like, man, this is, you know, this is, this is still like, this is just as good as the first, but I was kind of thinking in my head, I was like, but they had to have had way more of a time crunch. So I was like impressed with you guys' ability to, I guess my, my supposed idea of you guys being under more of a time crunch, but I guess that makes more sense. You guys had your, your skills honed because you'd already done it once. So like that time wasn't needed because you were kind of swinging right into it. So, yeah, I mean the first time around it was just learning like basic stuff, like terminology in the film world. Like Mm -hmm. we'd never learned. I mean, we did make an effort to like read the, Berkeley School of Music like textbook on scoring just so we had uh-huh. some idea but yeah we were we were basically learning on the job for that first time and then awesome. we got a better system for the second one and then keep improving on it yeah well so i i don't i don't know how to formulate in this to, to a question but i was talking with my wife about this and you know and i was just kind of like i that I'm not saying that show wouldn't have been successful without your guys' score, but I think your guys' score is like a huge percentage of what created that whole feel and everything. Right down to the op- like when I watched that opening, you know, the title card, the way that looks with that theme song, that's what hooked me. That first step, I was like, yeah. this is going to be good because this has, like, I could tell, it was like, this has taste. Like, it yeah. looks and sounds good. And like throughout the whole thing, um, and I feel like it's success. Has like people things people say things like oh that has a Stranger Thingsy vibe like if somebody makes a <laughs> yeah. certain track like there's like a terminology now yeah. based off of your guys' score like yeah I guess I just I guess I just wanted to say that I don't know what I could really ask you about that right. but um, I, it must be it must be strange yeah it's weird it's really it's bizarre but I mean mm-hmm. I think it's better with our music in it too. Because I've yeah I've seen it with temp that's different, and mm-hmm. I and I think that that we definitely add something to it. I'm not trying to pat myself sure. on the on the back, but we definitely watched some episodes that have like temp that mm-hmm. uh, you know just doesn't do as yeah. much. It doesn't it doesn't make it as interesting. It sure like functions and like lets you know what's going on, but yeah. I think it's when, funny I, like, when, there, when people used to ask me what the what the the band survive sounded like, I would never have an answer. Uh-huh. And then like now I have just like too easy of an answer. I'm like, well, I never heard <laughs> the <Stranger> show. <laughs> <laughs> and so I try not to do that. So I still don't have a good answer, but I have something like I can fall back on if I just need to like get, get it out quickly. Sounds funny. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, well, you know, it makes me think of, you know, like, there's, there's, there are directors out there who work with the same composer because 
And they, you know, they, they know each other's sensibilities and something really locks in. And I feel like that doesn't always happen. And I feel like that really, you know, like David Lynch stuff mm-hmm. um, and Clint Mansell, was he, was he with Aronofsky? Yep. I always get him and, and then Cliff Martinez is with um, Refn or is that how you say it? I think. He, but anyways, yeah, they yeah. just kind of make these. And, and I think you guys locked into that. And I guess we're getting pretty close to the end here. Um, but I'm just yep. kind of curious of like how much, how much do you think that changed? I guess you're not, you said you were earlier, you're not really so much involved with the Austin scene right now, or, but did that change the feeling of the, the Austin scene after the success of that, you know, for electronic music, did electronic bands start playing out more and probably more shows around it? Yeah. Probably like there was definitely some, you know, there's press and people I think were like, yeah, Austin cool. Something cool came out of Austin. Yeah. But honestly, like, like when the show came out and all that stuff, it it was very overwhelming. And I, yeah, like, I bet. we had a lot of press all right at one time. So I kind of like stopped wanting to go out and like be around it as much because mm-hmm. just too many people, I just answering the same question or just like having people come up and talk to you about that all at the same time. Cause it's like, Oh, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these people since this happened and everybody's going to want to say something and that's fine. And I appreciated all of it, but yeah, I was, it was the only thing much. I can like possibly kind of relate this to like in my own life experience is when my wife and I were planning our wedding and when we got married for that like year, it was our whole identity to everyone we knew. Yeah. Like anybody who has talked to us is like, how's the wedding planning going? What are you going to do for this? And I know this is totally different, but I kind of get that, that taxing feeling of constantly, like, cause you, you, you eventually have a script Yeah, and you're like, I'm just scripting my interactions with people. And that's gotta be so, so, cause you know, you don't want to like, you don't want to like throw it in, you know, throw it in anybody's face or, or, you know, not seem like you're right. you know, stoked about it or anything. But yeah, that's, I think just psychologically, not a lot of people know what that's like. And yeah, just, it was kind of weird just because, you know, your friends, they've known forever. They're all like talking about just the most basic thing. And then, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> Yeah, we don't have to blame you, but I, I, I guess I'm just saying, like, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that that's one of the aspects of it. But I mean, I, it's, I it's calmed down it's a totally lot. Like, understandable. It's, yeah, it's fine. But for for a period of time, there it was kind of like there was like a gap between me and my friends, which was yeah, unfortunate. It was just kind of not not everybody, but just. It was weird. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Human interaction's weird. And it's going to be really weird in a few months when we're all able to <laughs> oh do it again. God. And then, yeah, yeah I, I think it's going to be, there's going to be two things happening in parallel. There's going to be like people that are just like so pent up and horny and just like, I got to go out and like, I'm going to do all kinds of crazy shit. Uh-huh. And at the same time, everybody's going to be like, I don't know if I should go out there, like washing my hands and stuff. But I think, I don't know if I'm ready to go out yet. But both of those things are going to be happening at the same time. It's going to be very interesting, Definitely. especially, I mean, who knows how long this is going to go on. 
but I, yeah. I think it'll probably be longer than most people would like. I mean, I yeah, guess it's already I'm, I'm, been that way. Yeah, right. But if society makes it and humanity, you know, humanity makes it, I think there's going to be, you know, we have baby boomers now. I think there's going to be COVID boomers too. Yeah. <laughs> From like all the people you're just all the pent up people right after going out and just yeah. <laughs> Tinder is going to be fucking lit. I bet it's um, already. I bet it is. Yeah. I bet you yeah. there's going to be a lot of December babies this year too. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Oh. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for uh, for joining me, man. This has yeah. been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, for sure. And I'm going to open up this here little patch challenge generator. Uh, one of my my listeners made a, a website for me that um, it will, let me see, it will just generate random adjectives and nouns. And then okay. we'll, we'll use that as your prompt. So, but first I want you to pick a mood. I've got some moods to choose from. Um, Simple, easy, hard, happy, sad, angry. Is easy a mood? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yes. So, Sam, is easy a mood? <laughs> <laughs> so, so simple, easy, hard. It was sad, happy, sad, happy, angry. Sad, angry. I don't want to do angry. <sighs> do I have to pick one? No, I have more. I just didn't want to list them all off because there's okay. a shitload of them. That's How about fine. peaceful, open, <clears throat> um... I do I have to can I just do it and then see what it sounds like cuz I'm like yeah, I'm yes. like sad but I don't know it might end up coming out happy like <laughs> right yeah 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 so let's let's do here I'll randomly choose one okay we got sad for mood okay I'm going to sometimes they don't make sense though no <laughs> unlucky doom <laughs> Unlucky Doom. <laughs> Seems it's a little uh, appropriate. <laughs> um, dubious Doom. <laughs> so Doom's in there. <laughs> yeah, Doom. Doom. They really want Doom today. Poignant incident. So <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Just tell me when to stop. I'll just oh, keep listening. Are we off. are we adding these all on? So it's like sad, dubious, doom, no, poignant incident. No no, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm just going through until we find one that we like. Oh, dumpish despair. Jeez. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna switch from sad. This is too heavy. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go to light. Um, airy filament. That's kind of cool. airy filament. Okay, sure. Do you like that one? All right. I'm going to write that down. Airy filament. Cool. Well, um, is there anything that you want to shout from the modular mountaintops before we, we close this out? Is there anything that you guys have going on that you want to let people know about? Or I guess, what are you up to? I've been recording, you know, when it, when it feels right or sometimes when I'm just like, "Eh, it doesn't feel right, but we'll just do it anyway. And then mm-hmm. sometimes something good happens. Um, as far as like what's coming up, I mean, everything's on pause, but we've got yeah. most of the next Survive album done. So cool. we we need to finish that, but we haven't really been able to do that now that we can't really see each other. I mean, we we could work on it independently, but this record, we've been trying to get everyone together to to do the sessions which i think has been good so 
hopefully that doesn't take too long, but that's, that's coming up. Um, other than that, I mean, there's going to be a season four of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. but who knows when that's going to happen now either because everything's paused. Uh, but it'll, yeah. it'll definitely be next year at the earliest, like, f- for sure. Have you guys already scored it? No. No, no, no. Oh, okay. We don't have any So it's still footage. early. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, we'll we will look forward to all that. And, uh, yeah, again, thank you so much. It's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. For sure. Thanks for having me. And now Kyle Dixon's Airy Filament. Thank you. 
And that's our show. Thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on. That was a whole lot of fun. Please go check out Survives Music on Bandcamp and Spotify or anywhere else you get your music. And speaking of music on Bandcamp, I just got this album called Deserted by Matt Uska. I've played his stuff before on the show. Uh, This album just came out. This song is called Flames. And uh, the music was performed and recorded in the back of a tent in western Iraq while he was serving our country. So thank you for your service, Matt. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his music, so please go check it out. Also, check out the uh, Uranalog Generate 3. It's a really, really cool oscillator that I've been enjoying a lot. The Metron sequencer from WMD is continuing to blow my mind. The Bad Comrade from Recovery Effects. Um, such a fun, crazy distortion module. Um, don't forget about Patchworks, Needham Woodworks, AI Synthesis, After Later Audio, and Eurodesk Z as well. Um, I told you at the beginning we were going to do a little demo of the Zorb filter. So, uh, yeah, why don't we get into that? And uh, thanks for listening. Until next week. All right, today we are going to take a listen to the Zorb filter from All Right Devices out of Austin, Texas. And we're going to use the Generate 3 from your analog as our control voltage source to mess with it. But first, let's just... uh, Listen to this chainsaw VCO from Acid Rain Technology going into the Zorb, and then I'm using the low pass and high pass outputs. And let's just manually mess with this cutoff really quick. What's interesting about this VC or this uh, this VCF? is it has a VCA built into it. Um, so right now I'm running a noise source into that, and then it's got a own dedicated CV control with attenuator, attenuverter, and then it's got a bias uh, a t- potentiometer on it. So let's just manually bring that noise source in. What's cool about that is, like I said, it has its own dedicated CV in, so let's just, and then you can, you can blend your dry signal in there.
But if you're not using the CV in for the VCA and you use the, uh, the, the CV in for the cutoff, it will normal to the VCA. So that's a really interesting feature. Um, now, I'm using the Generate 3, and I'm going to be sending some uh, CV to the Generate 3 just to make it more interesting. I'm going to use the DivKid and Instro Oct LFO to go into the even, the odd, and the phase inputs of the Generate 3. And then we're going to bring some maths into it in a moment. But let's just start with the even and odd. I'm going to take the even output and put it into the cutoff. And now I'm going to take the odd output and put it into the resonance CV in. And now I'm going to take the fundamental output and put it into the VCA. So you notice that that noise source behavior changed. I'll take it back out of the VCA in and you'll hear it as it's being controlled by the cutoff CV. And now let's take um, a maths channel one long slope signal and let's put it into the second cutoff input, which is the one that you can use for uh, one volt per octave following if the filter is in self-oscillation. Now I'm going to take that same maths channel one out, um, but I'm going to take I'm going to attenuate it down a bit and put it into the volt per octave in of the generate three. Now I'm just messing with the various attenuators for the different CV inputs. But as you can hear, the Zorb can do a whole lot of really, really cool and interesting textures if you utilize all the different CV inputs in an interesting way. And the Generate 3, um, we've already seen what an amazing oscillator it can be, and now I'm just really starting to get to know it as a, a CV generator, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's equally as powerful. So I'm in that, I have that same conundrum that I had with the angle grinder from Schlappy Engineering. Which do I want to use it as, or do I want to just get two of them? I don't know. Anyways, go check out allrightdevices.com to learn more about the Zord filter. It's really, really, really cool. And the uh, and your analog uh, Generate 3. Please check that out as well. <laughs> 